You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Today I'll be reading Cakepocalypse, chapters 5 and 6, written by Mittenwraith. The rating is mature. Pertinent tags for this fic include Alternate Universe Canon Divergence Friends to Lovers Love Confessions Cake Angst and fluff and smut, but mostly fluff with a dash of crack. Chapter 5. Batter Up The rest of Dean's week went about as he expected it to. Cass hadn't called again, but they had begun regularly texting back and forth. It had started up Tuesday afternoon when Cass sent a series of photos of the freshly stocked pantry shelves, filled with hundreds of clear plastic containers labeled with their carefully measured contents. He'd asked Dean if it met his approval, or if there was anything he'd wish to add to the shelves. Dean had looked at the pictures and made a few suggestions about the arrangement of the ingredients, and Cass had replied with thumbs up and smiley face emojis. After they'd broken the ice again, the texting only increased in frequency for the rest of the week, becoming less and less about work the more they talked. Dean texted Cass when he left work Saturday night, and then again when he got home. He opened the container of pad tie he'd picked up on his way home and sat down at his kitchen table with a beer and his laptop. Going over the email Cass had sent with all the final details Dean would need to know before filming began. He read through the short bio of their first guest judge, an up-and-coming baker with a specialty in beautiful mirror glazing and artistic renderings in cake that were just as beautiful as the artworks that inspired them. Eileen Leahy had made her sample cakes at the studio that afternoon, and Dean was certain the amateur bakers would struggle to duplicate them. He only hoped he would be allowed to sample one of Eileen's beautiful creations, 
to offset what was likely to be a grand disaster. He was just imagining the numerous ways this all could go horribly wrong when Cass finally called. They ran through Cass's pre-show checklist fairly quickly, and Cass approved Dean's request for Sam to tag along as his official representative on set. Dean had tried to tell Sam it wasn't necessary to have his lawyer on the spot, and that he was perfectly content that Webflix and Cass would uphold the terms of his contract. But Sam had been pushing him all week with various arguments ranging from being on hand to step in, if there were any issues on set, to wanting to witness the baking disasters firsthand. After three days of unsuccessful wheedling, Dean finally agreed when Sam confessed he actually wanted to bear witness to Dean's inevitable and hopefully hilarious failure as a television presenter. At least he'd finally had an honest answer out of his brother, and Dean agreed it would give him an extra incentive to kick it in the ass and not completely wash out on his first day on TV. After getting through all the necessary business on the phone, Dean found himself falling back into easy conversation with Cass. Without the camera in his face, and without having to look into Castiel's earnest, probing eyes, Dean found it a hell of a lot easier to answer his questions. They talked about everything under the sun, and Dean even told Cass about visiting the bakery with his mother when he was little and being allowed to pick out a treat, a cookie with a smiley face, or a cupcake with a little plastic angel pressed into the icing. Whatever brought a smile to his own little face on any given day. They talked for hours, until Dean finally noticed the time. Shit, it's late, he said with a laugh. I should probably get some sleep or it'll look like I accidentally wandered off the set of that zombie show. We can't have that, Cass agreed. Go get your beauty sleep, Dean. I'll see you in the morning. Dean pulled into the parking lot of Webflix at a quarter to nine on Sunday morning to find Sam already eagerly waiting by the front door. He rolled his eyes and picked up two large boxes of donuts he'd made the night before. Cass assured him there'd be plenty of coffee on the set and Dean had thought donuts would be a nice gesture and a potential bribe to win over the crew. Ooh, donuts? Sam asked, looking curiously at the boxes and holding his hands out as if Dean was dumb enough to just hand them over. Yeah, and you can have one after the crew gets first dibs, Dean replied, tilting his head toward the glass door until Sam pulled it open for him. Sam followed him back to the set, which had been completely transformed since the last time Dean had been there a week earlier. The set structures and layout hadn't changed much, but the ladders and paint cans and drop cloths and wires had been replaced with brand new appliances and kitchen gear and television cameras. Wow, this is actually really classy, Sam said, sounding inordinately surprised. Dean turned to glare at him, but instead spotted the craft services table and the huge coffee urn. Jody and Claire stood beside it, sipping coffee and going over the day's schedule so Dean detoured over to check in with Jody and offer them a treat. "'Morning, ladies,' he said, setting the boxes down and opening the lid. "'Can I interest you in a fresh donut?' "'Ooh, did you stop on the way over?' Jody asked, but Claire recognized the boxes and gave Dean a knowing look. "'Nope, I think he made these. "'So you know there's probably love in every bite,' Claire assured Jody, picking out a strawberry-glazed donut for herself." Dean scowled playfully at her, but then grinned. Guaranteed, 
You should probably also meet my brother, Sam, the hovering yeti, he said, turning an actual scowl on his brother as he loomed over his shoulder to get a better look at the donuts. Sam, these are the important people to know around here. Jody's the director and Claire's her assistant. Stage manager, actually, and not the general dog's body, Claire replied. You can fetch your own coffee. Noted, Sam said. So can I have one now? Dean sighed. Sure, but just one. If you want more, you can drive over to the bakery and help yourself to anything we forgot to clear out of the case last night. Dino, there you are, Gabriel said, striding over from where he'd been talking to Jack, the intern. He stopped in front of Sam and looked up at him. And you brought your own shade. Handy. Dean introduced them as Jody glanced around the studio, counting heads. Whatever she observed had satisfied her, and she gave a shrill whistle to assemble a last-minute crew meeting. The same crew from the previous weekend, plus a few additional people assembled around them, while Dean glanced around, hoping to catch a glimpse of Cass. He was beginning to feel that same strange sense of disappointment from last Sunday, when Cass pushed through the studio door looking far more harried than anyone had a right to that early on a Sunday morning. Cass glanced around and heaved a huge sigh of relief before making his way over to stand on the fringes of the assembled crew. All right, you guys, Jody started. First things first. For anyone who hasn't met them yet, these are our stars, Dean Winchester and Gabriel Novak. Dean was nice enough to bring donuts for everyone, so make sure you get one before they're gone. Dean tilted his head to the side in a little shrug as a few members of the crew brightened at the mention of donuts. Eileen here is our very special guest host and judge today, and I think most of you have had a chance to meet her yesterday. Eileen gave a little wave, and Dean noticed Sam raising his hand to return the gesture out of the corner of his eye. He turned to find Sam half-dazedly smiling at Eileen, like he'd witnessed her turn water into wine and was trying to rationalize how she'd pulled off the trick. Dean couldn't decide if it would be more fun to tease Sam about it or be grateful that maybe Sam would be too distracted by Eileen to pay any attention to him. He decided he'd reserve the option for potential teasing for later and stick to making a good impression on his new co-workers first. And here's Castiel, Jody said, noticing him in the back of the crowd. Our fearless leader. Any last words before we charge into battle? Cass cleared his throat as the entire group turned to him. You've all excelled at capturing the spirit of Cake Apocalypse in planning and constructing the set, and now it's time to reap the rewards. I look forward to carrying that spirit of fun and humor into the show itself. Right, Jody said when she realized Cass was done. What he said. Our contestants will be here in 20 for makeup and their initial impressions interviews, and I want everyone on set in position at 10 sharp. See you then. A steady procession of crew members shuffled past and picked out donuts. While Dean was distracted receiving compliments and thanks, Eileen had opened a conversation with Gabriel and Sam. The last of the crew members had claimed their donuts, and Dean was looking over the remaining selection considering which one he'd claim for himself when Cass sidled up and picked a chocolate donut from the box. I take it the very tall man is your brother, Cass said, pouring himself a cup of coffee. Yeah, he's a regular tree, Dean replied, grinning at Cass and then pointing up at his mangled tie. Stressful morning? Cass glanced down at himself and smoothed the tie flat. 
Yes, I suppose so. The first day of a shoot is typically the hardest, with everyone learning their roles and acclimating to the pace of a new show. It will be easier tomorrow, or at least I can hope it will be. How about you? I take it you were able to sleep last night. Dean poured himself a cup of coffee as well and then picked a donut at random. He'd made them all, so it wasn't as if he brought any that he wouldn't like himself. Yeah, but it's still a little nerve-wracking not knowing what to expect. This is all completely new to me, he said, waving a hand around at the entire studio. Cass nodded. That might very well be an advantage, considering the nature of the show. Dean thought about that for a second and had to agree. He'd been about to comment, but Cass kept right on talking, noticing who Sam was conversing animatedly with. I see you and your brother have met Eileen, then. Dean shook his head. Sam's monopolized the conversation so far, but they seem to be hitting it off. When Dean had learned that their first guest judge was deaf, he practiced a few signs to welcome her. Eileen noticed Dean and Cass watching her, and she smiled over at them when Dean waved and introduced himself, fingerspelling his name and fumbling his way through the signs for Nice to meet you. She appreciated his effort and then demonstrated it correctly for him. Nice to meet you, too. Jody came back over to break up their little chat before it could even get started to whisk them all off to make up a wardrobe. By the time they'd all suffered through the indignity of makeup, and Dean was dressed in a freshly starched chef's jacket with Chef Dean embroidered on the breast, he, Eileen, and Gabriel were laughing together like a bunch of old friends, while Sam, Cass, and Eileen's interpreter, Mildred, commiserated in one corner over just how difficult it was going to be to keep the three of them in check during the long day of filming. When they were ready, Claire came by to walk them through the entire day's procedure, demonstrating everything from how to open the cupboards where the sample challenge cakes were stored, to how to operate a toy gun that would shoot a blizzard of play money at the winner at the end of the episode. Cass gave Gabriel a scathing glare the moment he tried to reach for the money gun, and Gabe held up both hands in surrender before making a vow not to attempt to shoot it prematurely. The money gun was placed into Eileen's care after Cass determined she was the most trustworthy member of the cast. During their set tour, Dean had gotten a glimpse of the gorgeous sample cakes Eileen had made. They spent the rest of their time waiting for filming to start, discussing the finer points of baking and cake decorating, much to Gabriel's and everyone else's delight. If they were talking cake, they couldn't be getting up to shenanigans. Okay, everyone, Jody said, breezing back into the studio. You should all have a copy of the schedule. Alex is finishing up with the contestants, and we're going to move right into the first segment as soon as we're done here. Dean glanced down at the sheet of paper Claire handed him when he sat down at the big judge's table. He looked over the long list of shooting objectives, which he'd already committed to memory from Cass's email the night before, and shoved the sheet back onto the little shelf below the desk. Cass had been right with his reminder that not knowing exactly how this was going to go might very well work to their advantage. "'We're ready when you are,' Gabriel assured her. Jody nodded as Alex took her place behind the big camera, and Claire and Kaya took up stations on either side of her with shoulder cameras. It was only then that Dean looked around the studio and noticed what he hadn't before. When he'd walked around the kitchens to inspect the setup, he'd been looking for all the things he'd normally expect to see in a kitchen— not all the small cameras mounted inconspicuously around each station, so every step of each contestant's work could be recorded. 
Dean leaned over to mutter at Gabriel. Hell, I think I'd probably fuck up out of sheer panic with this much focus on my work. Gabriel smiled mischievously and waggled his eyebrows at Dean. Good thing you just gotta stand around and look like you know what you're talking about, then. The lights in the studio kicked up a notch and Jody called action. Dean watched as a pre-recorded intro played on all the monitors, where Gabriel introduced the premise of the show to a snappy little tune. As the jingle crescendoed and the Cakepocalypse title card filled the screens, the three contestants were ushered into the room and up to one side of the judges' table. Welcome to Cakepocalypse, guys, Gabriel said. Are you ready to put your skills to the test? The contestants nodded, looking panicky but hopeful and determined. So, let's get down to introductions, get us all on friendly terms. Ash, love the hair, by the way. Let's start with you. What do you hope to achieve here on Cakepocalypse? The man looked uncomfortable in his apron, but tugged at it as he flipped his hair back over his shoulder and gave a confident look over at the judges. I work at a roadhouse. Even flip a few pancakes when the need arises. But my attempts at baking have left my employer less than impressed. I want to prove I'm more than just a line cook who takes the occasional nap on the pool table. Plus, ten grand would make for some serious upgrades to my computing power for my sideline interests. Noble goals, Ash, Gabriel replied after a pause to raise a curious eyebrow in Ash's direction and then turned to the second contestant. Linda, what are your goals today? The woman stood up straight, her hands folded in front of her. My neighbor Eunice is always turning up her nose at my baking, as if her snickerdoodles are any better than the cookies I made for the school symphony's bake sale last spring. My son, Kevin, liked mine better anyway. But mostly I want Eunice to eat her words, preferably in the form of delicious pastries. Ah, revenge, Gabriel said with an approving nod. One of my personal favorite goals. And that brings us to you, Jenny. What are your secret cake-related motivations? The woman shifted from foot to foot, finally taking a deep breath. I need to redeem myself from last Valentine's office party fiasco. I didn't know the candy hearts would melt when I baked them into the cupcakes, and I ended up with bleeding hearts in all my cupcakes. Oh, nicely gruesome, but maybe more appropriate for Halloween or April Fool. Hearts! In my cupcakes! Jenny repeated, cutting off Gabriel and clearly becoming frazzled. Dean leaned back in his chair to shoot Eileen a concerned glance behind Gabriel's back. From the look on her face, Dean was pretty sure she was struggling just as mightily to contain her laughter. At least the two of them were convinced this episode was going to be anything but dull. Yes, well, Gabriel glanced from Jenny about to have a minor breakdown over to Jody beside the camera. Jody urged him to get on with it with a wave of her hand, so Gabriel did. Hopefully today you'll have a chance to redeem yourself, because that's the name of the game here on Cakepocalypse. Jody caught Jenny's attention and gave her an encouraging thumbs up. Even Alex leaned out from behind her camera to give her a bolstering nod. Gabriel led Eileen and Dean out from behind the desk as he introduced the first challenge of the day. So we all know why we're here today, to see which one of you is the least terrible, which is a highly attainable goal to shoot for. And speaking of shooting, the least terrible one of you will be leaving with 10,000 smackers. 
And by that, I mean cold hard cash, and not some sort of novelty product. Though Eileen's prepared to shoot your winnings at you with a fascinating novelty product. Gabriel eyeballed the money gun that Eileen had tucked through her belt after Jody cautioned her not to leave it anywhere Gabriel might pick it up. Jody, Cass, and even Sam had caught the movement, and along with Mildred were all doing their best renditions of every possible gesture, standard sign language or otherwise, to indicate that Gabriel was still forbidden from touching the money gun. Dean caught them all in the act and shook his head. Yeah, they only trust Eileen to carry the gun. Gabriel shot Dean a commiserating frown. It's like they know us or something. Dean just shrugged and let Gabriel get back to his hosting duties. Glad he'd at least finally had something to say. He was really earning that paycheck now. But we're not here to make war, because today's challenges are all about love. Our fabulous guest judge today has done us the honor of making three scrumptious cakes in a style she's becoming a celebrity for in her own right. Eileen, tell us about your creations and help us spread the love. Gabriel stepped aside as the door of the first large cupboard opened, revealing three small but beautifully displayed mirrored glazed cakes, each unsettily decorated to the love theme with vibrant red hearts. Poor Jenny came very close to passing out, save for Ash and Linda each grabbing one of her elbows and offering her a bit of support. Sorry, Jenny, Eileen said, looking only mildly apologetic. Hearts, Jenny muttered. Of course it would be hearts. At least this time it's intentional, Dean replied heartily. And they're not cupcakes. Why don't you tell everyone what their objectives are, Dino? Dean cleared his throat. Eileen's mastered the mirror glaze, which can be tricky if the base cake and mousse aren't cold enough to harden the glaze on contact. Sure, Dean, just hand over the keys to the kingdom, why don't you? Gabriel teased, letting the contestants know, if they were paying attention and not still traumatized, that this was a vital clue to producing a quality result. It takes a steady hand, and it can be a bit tricky to keep the chocolate glaze at just the right temperature to get that smooth, shiny finish, Eileen added. So that's your expert advice, contestants, Gabriel said, and then turned to Eileen. I gotta say, Eileen, these are some of the most gorgeous confections I've ever laid my eyes on. They're literally shiny. It almost breaks my heart thinking about cutting them up and eating them. They're made to be enjoyed, and they taste just as good as they look, she reminded him. Ah, such is love, Gabriel mused. So tempting and so fleeting, devoured in a moment of ecstasy to live a lifetime on the hips. Dean snorted and shook his head, making a face at Gabriel's terrible attempt at romantic poetry or whatever the fuck he was trying to do. It's a cake, dude. It looks good. It tastes good. You give it to someone you love because you want to make them happy. The cake's not love. It's just a cake. The love is in the making of it and sharing it with the people you care about. Dino, you've got hidden depths, my boy, Gabriel said, slapping him on the back and nudging Dean clear of what was about to be a contestant stampede. Each of you will have an hour and a half to duplicate the sample cake of your choice. The recipes have all been uploaded on your tablets at each station. When you're ready, Eileen, you can give the command to start. She took a step back as well, holding up her left hand and twisting her right index finger against it. In case anyone was wondering, that was ASL for begin, Dean said. If I were you, I'd get baking now. Maybe Linda and Ash took pity on poor Jenny. 
but they'd charged forward while she still stood there and blinked, shaking off the horror of her past cupcake failure. They left her with the one cake that wasn't heart-shaped itself and only had a few chocolate leaf hearts decorating the surface of the red and white glaze. Eileen gave her an encouraging nod and Jenny took a deep breath and visibly composed herself before marching up to the cupboard and claiming her cake. The three contestants got to work, two of them selecting a white cake base, while Linda opted for a rich chocolate, which she added an inordinate amount of red food coloring to. Linda and Jenny dumped ingredients in their stand mixers, while Ash attempted to whip together his batter by hand. He struggled to beat the butter and sugar together, but Dean couldn't fault him on his persistence, despite several messy spills. Jenny and Linda poured their batter into round cake pans, while Ash eventually slopped his lumpy batter into a heart-shaped pan. Eileen, Gabriel, and Dean offered up the occasional comment, but they also spent quite a bit of time wandering around the studio, both to get a better look at what the contestants were up to, as well as to simply alleviate the boredom of sitting in one spot and watching three people quietly go about destroying three kitchens. So, Cass, Dean said, finding Cass by the coffee machine about a half an hour into the first baking challenge. Hello, Dean. Shouldn't you be observing the contestants? Dean shrugged and refilled his cup. They've got their cakes in the oven. And I'm already worried that Ashes is going to have big crystallized butter lumps all through it. And Linda used cooking spray instead of butter to line her pan. I think we all know how that's going to go. They can whip up their icing for a minute or two while I say hello to my favorite producer. So, how do you think it's going so far? We got a show here or what? Cass smiled at Dean's nervous rambling. Yes, Dean, I definitely think we have a show here, or I wouldn't have funded the project. But it's going well, right? I mean... Dean rubbed the back of his neck, and then gestured over to the contestants hard at work mixing up mousse and glaze. It's kind of all up to them now, right? Cass looked at Dean seriously. No, it's up to you, and you're doing wonderfully, Dean, just as I knew you would. Dean stood there and blinked at him for a second, having no idea how to accept that kind of compliment. He finally gave up and just nodded once before returning to his place at the judge's table to offer more commentary. I didn't know you could make buttercream with granulated sugar, Gabriel commented at one point when Ash poured a couple of cups of the stuff into a bowl and began hand-mixing it with a whisk. You can't, Eileen replied. Linda measured out powdered sugar for her icing, but added half a brick of cream cheese to the butter before setting it all to mixing. Dean glanced over at Eileen and asked if cream cheese frosting was standard for a mirror glaze. She just shook her head slowly and replied, I always use a mousse, something light to counteract the heaviness of the glaze. Dean frowned and wondered if he shouldn't have been more concerned about choking to death on a frozen hockey puck of a cake than accidental poisoning, but moved on to the final contestant. Jenny already set her icing to mix and dumped the ingredients for the two-toned mirror glaze into two double boilers to melt. She scooped up a few tablespoons of the red chocolate candy melts and drizzled it onto the wax paper to make four perfect heart-shaped adornments. Dean was impressed not only with her time management skills, but also her fortitude for persisting in the task. It was like watching her work through her baking-related trauma in real time. 
She set the paper aside to cool, and then all three contestants stopped to check on their cakes. Jenny's was done. Linda's was slightly overdone, since she hadn't put quite enough batter in the pan in her haste to get it in the oven in time. And Ashes looked good on the outside, but Dean was still silently cringing at what he knew it must look like on the inside. Ash slathered lumpy frosting on his heart-shaped cake before it had even begun to cool, reducing the grainy mixture to a gooey, runny mess. Linda was slightly more successful since her thinner cake had cooled a bit more and her cream cheese frosting was sturdy enough to take the heat. But Dean was still slightly horrified as both Linda and Ash finally remembered the blast chiller. Meanwhile, Jenny had put her cake directly into the little refrigerator at her station. She was a few minutes behind her competitors, but at least when she spread her icing, it didn't melt into puddles. Linda and Ash brought their surface-frozen cakes back to their stations, just as Jenny brought hers to the freezer to chill. "'Looks like Jenny's having trouble keeping up with the competition,' Gabriel said. Eileen shook her head. "'She's holding her own. "'She's got plenty of time,' Dean added. "'She's just got to pour the glaze and do a quick refreeze, "'and they've still got fifteen minutes.' "'Jenny must have heard them because she looked pained "'as she glanced up to see the huge timer ticking down. "'She bit her lip and looked at the freezer, "'then back up at the clock as it ticked through another minute.' and then pulled out her cake and carefully raced back to her station. See? Dean grinned at Gabriel, before taking a look at the other contestants' progress. I'm honestly more worried about what Ash is up to with that piping bag. The bag in question was filled with a garishly bright orange frosting. He'd already made several attempts to craft a couple of purple flowers that looked more like painfully bruised nipples than cheerful pansies and Dean was not at all convinced he was going to have any better luck with the orange. Meanwhile, Linda scattered a blizzard of coconut flakes onto an oddly shaped but well-poured red-glazed lump. She set the heart atop her cake and took it over to the blast chiller with seven minutes left in the challenge. Did either of you see what she made the heart out of? Dean asked amid the stirrings of a creeping sense of dread. Because I didn't see what she made the heart out of. Eileen turned from where she had been watching Mildred sign Dean's words, leaned forward around Gabriel and gave him an evil grin. Cream cheese frosting. Dean frowned, mildly horrified at the thought of a fist-sized lump of frosted cream cheese and wondering if he'd be required to take a bite of it, while Gabriel cackled. Oh, this is gonna be good. And by good, I mean disgusting. Be nice, Gabriel, Eileen said. Gabriel cleared his throat. Yo, baking peeps, this is your five-minute warning. It's time to close out those love letters you're baking because it's just about time for Cupid to collect your deliveries. Dean side-eyed Gabriel, who gave him a playful shrug in return. The three bakers picked up the pace, but none of them seemed about to derail completely, so Dean turned his attention around the rest of the studio. He was about to feel disappointed when he didn't immediately spot Cass where he'd seen him last beside Sam and Mildred, but then he noticed him over at the craft services table, refilling his coffee and picking out a donut. Dean let out a quietly pained sound, wishing with everything he had that he could just go eat one of his own donuts instead of having to taste the three abominations. Cass noticed him watching and smiled, raising his cup and a goofy little toast to Dean. For his part, Dean shut his mouth and did his best to smile reassuringly back at Cass. If nothing else, 
the reminder that Cass believed in him and was still sticking around in a show of support felt pretty damn good. Dean let those thoughts comfort him while Gabriel counted down the last ten seconds of the challenge, and the three bakers raised their hands and stepped back from their creations as a loud buzzer blared. Jody called cut, and for the first time in an hour and a half, everyone breathed a sigh of relief. Okay, take five minutes while we get everything set to shoot the judging. This is your big chance to use the bathroom, get a drink, whatever you need to do. Eileen got up immediately and went over to talk with Mildred and Sam, and Dean took the opportunity to refill his coffee mug. Not because Castiel was still standing by the coffee machine. That was just a bonus. You really think people are going to watch this? Dean began as he poured his coffee. Cass grinned at him over the rim of his own mug. It will be far more entertaining when it's been edited down into a 30-minute program. Dean huffed a little at that and took a sip of his own coffee. Yeah, I guess there were at least five minutes worth of highlights in there. Don't sell yourself short, Dean, Cass replied with a grin. I think we might even be able to stretch it to seven. So how are you doing? You don't mind just hanging around at work on a beautiful Sunday morning? It's afternoon now, Cass said, checking the big clock on the wall. And no, I don't mind. This is my job, and the hours might be unconventional sometimes, but that's the nature of this business. I believe your work also necessitates long, irregular hours. Yeah, well, Dean hesitated, not really having an answer for that. I hope you get some time off once in a while. And sorry if I've been eating away with what little free time you've got. Cass smiled shyly at that. I don't consider it a burden, Dean. I always appreciate our talks, and I've been very happy to get to know you better over the last weeks. Yeah, same here, Cass. I've, uh... Dean wasn't sure exactly where their conversation had been headed, but like every time he got to talking with Cass, the rest of the world had fallen away until it all came rushing back with the repeat of the buzzer sound that had signaled the end of round one. This time it was followed up with Jody yelling for everyone to take their places. Dean quickly topped off his coffee, flustered now that the weird bubble of intimacy around them had shattered so abruptly. He couldn't even look directly at Cass, or he wouldn't have missed the same frustrated disappointment on Cass's face. I guess I should get moving before Jody comes over to drag me away, huh? Cash just stood there nodding while Dean hustled back to stand beside Gabriel and Eileen in front of the judges' table. The lights had been dimmed a bit on the three miraculously tidied-up kitchens to showcase the three bakers now standing beside their creations, which were now waiting to be revealed on three metal kitchen carts. Claire stood ready to shoot close-ups of each cake as it was unveiled, while Jack, the intern, hurried off set. Jody called out one final warning, and then the filming resumed. Well, bakers, Gabriel started. That was fun, wasn't it? Linda looked fairly confident. Ash just shrugged, but poor Jenny was still trembling and shooting worried glances at the opaque plastic dome at her side, as if she was terrified to lift the lid and find a real beating heart in place of her cake. But she nodded absently at Gabriel's question anyway. So are you all feeling the love? Gabriel asked the bakers, before turning between Dean and Eileen. I know these two want to feel some love, and I really want to feel some cakes. So let's see what you've managed to create. Dean and Eileen followed Gabriel to Linda's cart. 
As they approached, she lifted the lid, revealing her creation beside Eileen's original. Considering Dean knew what was actually underneath the shiny surface, he had to admit that aesthetically at least she hadn't done too bad. Well, it definitely looks like a mirror glaze cake, Dean said. Eileen followed up with, You managed to get a good shine and consistency to the glaze. That's impressive for a first try. It looks a bit like it's got a bad case of dandruff, Gabriel added, not particularly helpfully as Linda frowned at him. Yeah, the coconut's a nice touch in moderation, but it's not supposed to be a snowball, Dean agreed. Well, let's see if the inside is as nice as the outside, Gabriel said, and Linda set to work cutting out a slice for them all to sample and plating it up. Dean looked at the cross-section of the cake, glaze, and far too much heavy cream cheese frosting, and strategically cut a piece that looked mostly like cake with his fork. Gabriel and Eileen followed after him, each of them tasting a sample before pronouncing their judgment. Interesting choice of the red velvet, Dean said, but it just tastes like a chocolate cake you dumped a bunch of food coloring in. That's what red velvet is, Linda argued. Dean shook his head and then shrugged. It's buttermilk and vinegar that makes red velvet, and I don't get a taste of that here, just the cream cheese frosting. I thought this was supposed to be a mousse, Gabriel said, pushing his tongue around to clear the heavy, frozen frosting glob he'd shoved into his mouth. I think that would have worked much better with the thick glaze. Eileen nodded. I think the cream cheese might have been too rich for this, but the flavor is excellent and the glaze is the perfect consistency. Linda smiled tightly and the judges moved on to Ash. He lifted the lid to reveal a lumpy, half-melted heart and Ginny let out a little strangled scream at the sight. Dean smiled apologetically at her and she got herself under control. Yeah, I don't think I got this one, Ash said, looking forlornly at his creation. I think you could have gotten a better consistency in the batter as well as the frosting if you'd used the mixer instead of trying to beat everything by hand. Dean suggested. Ash just nodded. Yeah, technology is our friend. Gabriel prompted him to cut them a sample. Dean got a bit with a caramelized chunk of sugar in it and deferred to Gabriel to begin judging while he attempted to swallow it and finally gave up and spit it into his hand. All the flavors are in there, but maybe not in the right order? He offered an explanation for what he was tasting. Dean nodded, having finally pried the sugar lump off his teeth. Mixer would have helped. And freezing the cake between each step is practically a requirement for getting a solid base for the glaze. But the flowers aren't half bad for a first try. Eileen added encouragingly. Yeah, that one looks like a nipple, Gabriel said, pointing to one of the purple flowers with his fork. I thought so too, Ash agreed confidently. You might have a future in the erotic cake decorating business. Dean replied, and Ash looked like he was taking that suggestion under serious consideration as they moved on to Jenny. Gabriel looked at her kindly until she took a deep breath and seemed to relax a little bit. It's okay, Jenny, you did great. Show us what you've got. She lifted the lid, revealing a cake that looked practically identical to Eileen's sample, right down to the red chocolate hearts on top. Wow, was all Eileen said. That's really incredible work there, Dean agreed. So, which one is yours again? Gabriel asked with a smile, and Jenny blushed under the praise. Okay, enough of that. We all know you make a pretty cake. 
Let's have a taste, shall we? Fortified, Jenny only hesitated for a second before plunging the knife into the glaze, cutting a portion that included one of the chocolate decorations on top. You layered the mousse on well. The cake is a bit rich, but the mousse balances it out nicely, Dean offered. Tastes like a good vanilla cake with good chocolate frosting, Gabriel said. I got no complaints. The glaze is really well done, Eileen added. You blended the red and white smoothly, and I honestly wouldn't be able to tell it apart from one of my own. Ginny appeared to be on the verge of tears at the glowing commentary as Gabriel leaned in to add, There's a heart in this cupcake, but it's the right kind this time. Dean nodded behind him. I think we have our winner. Okay, Jack, bring it out, Gabriel yelled. Jack the intern hurried over, pushing another metal kitchen cart draped with a decorative sparkly gold cloth. He'd nearly made it the entire way before one corner of the cloth caught beneath one of the wheels and the entire cart nearly toppled to the floor. Dean reached out quickly and averted the disaster as an apologetically horrified Jack stood there gawping at the near fiasco. It's fine, Jack, Gabriel assured him before turning to Dean. He's my idiot brother's kid. He's new at this, but he's doing a great job. Dean smiled reassuringly as Jack bent down to tug the drape free of the wheel. When he stood back up, Gabriel told him to do the honors, and Jack whipped off the drape with a dramatic flourish, revealing Ginny's prize for winning the first round. To help you keep making great cakes in the future, you've won a new stand mixer just like the ones in our kitchens, and a complete set of professional cake decorating tools, Gabriel announced, picking up the remaining bit of sparkly gold fabric on the cart. And as the winner of round one, you get to wear the fancy golden chef's hat. He walked over to her and put the oversized spangled hat on her head. Oh, gosh, she replied, straightening the hat and looking slightly dubious about that part of the honor. I'm going to have fun playing with all those tools. I'm sure you will, Gabriel agreed. But first, we have a second round challenge for all three of you. Let's see what round two has in store for us. A little musical flourish reminiscent of the opening theme song played over the studio speakers, and then Jody called cut yet again. She stepped out from behind Alex's camera and checked her watch against the big clock on the wall. Okay, we're going to take 20 this time and reset for round two. This is the last chance everyone has for a break for the next three hours, so smoke them if you got them. Lunch is served, and everyone hit the head. There's no potty breaks in round two. Dean grinned at Jody as she strolled out of the studio, and then turned to see Cass walking toward him. I like her, Dean said, pointing after Jody. That is a no-bullshit lady. Cass nodded, watching her leave, and agreed. She does run a tight set. The entire crew loves her. Dean sighed, taking in the buzz of activity and watching as Patience helped wheel one of the carts with Eileen's cakes away. He called out to stop her and then led Cass over to her. It would be a crime not to at least taste the real deal after all that, Dean told Cass, handing him a fork and picking one up for himself. Or did you have other plans for it? Cass shook his head. As far as I know, they're all destined to be thrown out. Dean gasped in horror, glancing up at Patience and then handing her a fork as well. We can't let that happen as responsible human beings. Dig in. 
The three of them spent the next five minutes demolishing Ash's sample cake, the one without the weird purple nipples, as Dean explained the finer technical details of its creation. Unbeknownst to him, Eileen was proficient at reading lips, and stood across the room beside Sam while turning a lovely shade of pink as they praised her baking. Cake devoured, Dean and Cass let patients get back to work. They heard Gabriel wail plaintively that she hadn't managed to steal one of the cakes for him, but they were too busy talking and laughing to worry about it. And we're set for round two, Jody called out exactly 20 minutes later and production started up again. Gabriel, Dean, and Eileen stood beside the cupboard labeled with a large number two, while the three contestants fidgeted in front of them, waiting for their final challenge to be revealed. It's time to think about the consequences of giving your special someone a sweet and delicious piece of your heart, Gabriel said, and then turned to open the cupboard doors. The first challenge was a sweet nothing, but the second is going to be a work of art to last a lifetime. He opened the doors to reveal a spectacular three-tiered wedding cake, decorated to look like a Monet painting. The cake itself was airbrushed to resemble a pond, while three-dimensional water lilies adorned the top of each individual tier. Dean whistled in admiration of Eileen's handiwork and shot her a covert little thumbs up. For round two, you'll each have an emergency button you can press that will give you a full five minutes of help from either Chef Dean or Chef Eileen. You can only use it once in the entire round, so don't be too hasty with it. And don't worry, I swear I won't try to help any of you, Gabriel said. But I might try to hinder you. No, he won't, Eileen assured them while Dean shook his head. We'll tie him up if we have to, Dean agreed. Kinky, Gabriel said with a smirk at Dean, and then turned back to the contestants with a clap of his hands. Okay, chefs. The recipe is on your tablets, and you have three hours to duplicate this exhibit of edible art. Will yours be worthy of a museum? Gabriel asked, but nobody moved or replied. Well, will it? Because I just started the clock, and I need an answer in three hours. The contestants stood there for one more beat, and then took off at a frantic pace while Gabriel watched them go with a snort. Round two went a little more smoothly for the judges, if not the contestants. Jody encouraged them to walk around and to make superficially helpful commentary on all the baking without actually giving any directly helpful advice. Gabriel excelled at being unhelpful. The contestants worked frantically trying to figure out how much cake they needed and how to best bake all the layers and then assemble all of them and then struggled to master the airbrush technique needed to decorate the fondant frosting. Ash completely abandoned the airbrush and instead decided to swirl the food coloring onto the cake by hand with a basting brush. Linda excelled with the airbrush, but had a bit of difficulty crafting the dozens of flowers out of fondant. Jenny's flowers were artistically perfect, but by the time Gabriel gave the five-minute warning, she'd only managed to make three of them. With a sigh of despair, she finished assembling what she had as the clock ticked down to zero. The annoying buzzers sounded again, and all three contestants looked on the verge of collapse as Jody called cut. Five minutes again, Jody announced without additional commentary this time, and her crew jumped into action to reset the stage for the final judging. Dean had checked in with Cass multiple times during the three-hour challenge, where their conversation had largely remained in the relatively safe territory 
of some of the more glaring missteps each of the bakers had made. While Cass marveled at Dean's expertise, and Dean repeatedly downplayed his knowledge and skill as something that just comes with a lifetime of practice. The entire point is that not everyone has the ability or focus or dedication to invest a lifetime of practice into mastering a skill, Dean. Cass maintained forceful eye contact with Dean until he relented and accepted the compliment. For his part, Dean finally tore his gaze away to glance awkwardly down at his shoes before mumbling out his thanks, clearing his throat and strolling over to observe the baking again. After all, that's why Cass had hired him in the first place. Now, he only had one more segment to film, and as Jack rolled the last cart out for the final judging, Dean looked over to Cass again. Cass and Sam both shot him an enthusiastic thumbs up as he took his place at the judges' table, and then Jody gave Gabriel his cue to begin. We've seen some truly fascinating baking techniques today, and barring one minor fire, I think you all did swimmingly. Ash gave a little shrug, having been responsible for the fire while attempting a shortcut and overfilling all his pans so that they overflowed into the oven as they rose. It was more smoke than fire, but Dean was really not looking forward to tasting his smoke-flavored angel food cake. So let's move right to the main event, Gabriel said as Alex maintained a close-up shot of Eileen's gorgeous sample cake, and Claire and Kaya flanked Linda's cake for her big reveal. Show us what you've made, Linda. The airbrushing is really well done, Dean said, as the side-by-side of Linda and Eileen's cake flashed up on the overhead monitor for comparison. Nice job with the fondant as well. And it's definitely the right size, Gabriel added, eyeballing both cakes against his own extended thumb. Eileen snorted a laugh and then complimented Linda's color palette in blending, and then asked for her to cut a slice for them to sample. Linda brought them a large piece of the top layer that included one of the flowers and a green fondant lily pad to adorn the plate. Between the layers of white cake, the icing had a slightly pinkish tint that Eileen asked about before taking a taste. My son likes blue raspberry, so when I saw the blue cake, I knew it had to have raspberry filling. Eileen tasted it and hummed appreciation, and then shoved the plate toward Gabriel to sample. Your son has good taste, Gabriel added. This is pretty damn good. Dean had to pull the plate out of Gabriel's clutches to get a taste for himself. Fondant flowers aren't as easy as they look, huh? He asked with a little smile and a quick glance over at Cass, who seemed exceedingly pleased that Dean had taken their earlier talk to heart. But you've got the flavors down here. This is a good cake. Linda thanked them, and they moved along to Ash, whose cake looked more like a foreshortened dome than a standard tiered wedding cake. So, we had a little mishap with the baking, but you still managed to get something out of the oven. Gabriel said as the odd mound of cake appeared on the screen beside the sample's tall tower. Dang, it even looks sadder like that, Ash said, glancing up at the monitor. When making a layer cake, it's advisable to bake it in layers, Dean said. Four or five thin cakes stacked together. It cuts baking time and makes for a much better consistency in the cake. You don't end up with burnt edges in a gooey middle, Eileen added, nodding at Dean. Hey, I like my gooey middle, Gabriel said, rubbing his stomach. Not in the middle of a cake, Dean said. Says you, Gabriel replied. Go ahead and cut us your best slice, Ash. He did, and each of them took the smallest bite possible of the resulting product. 
There wasn't much to it since he had to chuck more than half his original cake batter after the overflow incident, but what remained wasn't nearly as tainted by the smoke as Dean had feared. He'd used a mocha flavoring for the icing, which helped mask the burnt flavor, but it didn't hold a candle to Linda's delicate raspberry cake, and Ash was perfectly content to admit as much. They moved on to Jenny's cake, which was nearly as tall and well-formed as Linda's, only slightly bubbled on the top and listing a bit to one side as a result. Next time, cut the tops of each layers off so it stacks together without tipping, Eileen suggested, tilting her head to the side to adjust for the cake's lean. It's like the leaning tower of pizza, but with cake instead, Gabriel commented. It's pizza, not pizza, Dean corrected him. But Gabriel just smirked at him and asked Jenny for her sample slice. Eileen complimented the flavor. Gabriel again commented on the architectural marvel of it all, and Dean raved about the technical details of her flower craftsmanship. Overall, Jenny seemed pleased with their reviews, but now it was time to pass final judgment. Jack? Gabriel called out, and Jack came rolling into the studio wearing roller skates and deposited a golden cake-shaped trophy on the desk in front of Gabriel as he sailed past and off the opposite side of the set. Gabriel grinned through the entire performance and then cleared his throat. We have here a trophy for the winner of today's cake apocalypse. Eileen finally pulled the money gun from her belt and set it on the desk in front of her. Gabriel looked between Dean and Eileen, and they all nodded. They'd essentially already agreed on the winner. The winner and the recipient of this spectacular trophy, the true meaning of love, which is obviously good cake, and the $10,000 cash prize is... Linda! Eileen shot the money gun in Linda's direction, spraying the shower of fake bills across the stage, as all three of them walked around to congratulate her and present the trophy to her. Linda looked directly into the camera as Gabe handed it to her and said, Suck it, Eunice! A flash of surprise crossed Gabriel's face, but then he turned to the camera and grinned. I don't know you, Eunice, but you inspired a great cake today. From me, Dean, Eileen, and everyone here in the cake apocalypse, thanks for watching. The camera slowly backed away, the shot widening out to show the entire studio as the closing credits theme song played, and then Jody called cut. The music stopped as an entirely different bustle of activity burst on set. Cleaning crews set to work on the three kitchens, while another team restocked the pantry, and yet more people busied themselves when resetting the equipment for the next morning shoot. Jack rolled around the studio on his skates, pushing a broom and collecting up all the fake cash. Gabriel had disappeared along with his assistant, and Dean wasn't really sure what he was supposed to be doing now that they'd completely run off the end of the day's schedule. Castiel rushed in with stacks of paperwork and brought each of the three contestants over to the judges' table to read through and sign all their release forms, as well as handing over their compensation packets. Dean couldn't help feeling a little disappointed that Cass was obviously too busy to just hang out again. He looked around the studio hoping he could use Sam as an excuse to loiter around the set until Cass was free again, but he froze in his tracks when he spotted his brother involved in an intense and seemingly flirtatious conversation with Eileen. Sam may have spent most of his life inadvertently cock-blocking him, but Dean wasn't about to barge in and screw things up when it looked like they were both into each other. 
While Dean was distracted staring at the spectacle of Sam enacting his weird moose mating dance, Jody came over and startled him. They are kind of cute, she said, noticing Sam and Eileen before tuning them out and turning to Dean. Great job today, by the way. We finished up early. Tomorrow's guest host is local, or at least more local than Eileen. He's bringing his sample cakes with him in the morning, so we've officially closed the kitchen for tonight. Dean nodded absently at this barrage of information. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun. You guys run a tight ship here. Jody grinned at him and patted him on the shoulder. You can thank Cass for that. He's a great guy to work for. Dean craned his neck around to see Cass still going over paperwork with Linda and Jenny. Yeah, I can see that. Well, you have a good night, Dean. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. I guess I shouldn't expect another batch of fresh donuts, eh? Dean shook his head and smiled sadly. Probably not. I think I'm going to grab some dinner and hit the hay. Who knew it was more work sitting on my ass all day watching other people bake than actually baking myself? Jody laughed at that and then hurried off to finish up her work so she could go home as well. He was just in time to see Sam waving goodbye to Eileen as she hurried off toward the door to the studio with Mildred in tow. Dean frowned and then slowly made his way to his brother's side. Everything okay, Sammy? Sam smiled until the door had closed behind Eileen. Yeah, I invited her to dinner, but she's got a flight to catch. Flight? Dean asked, realizing he'd been assuming Eileen lived somewhere in L.A., or at least in the surrounding area after Jody had mentioned that she wasn't local. She's living in Ireland right now, Sam replied with a little frown and a pinch between his eyebrows. Oh, Dean said, actually feeling a tug of pity for Sam. Well, that sucks. She makes a damn fine cake. Yeah, Sam replied absently before perking up a bit. You did good out there, too. I stood around watching people fucking up cakes and pointing out exactly how they were fucking up. It's not rocket science. Sam's smile widened. You have no idea what a decent human being you are, do you? Dean grumbled a bit and headed toward the door. He cast one last glance over his shoulder to see Cass still preoccupied at the desk, before sighing and giving up waiting. How about dinner, then? Sam was right on his heels. I don't have any other plans. How do you feel about Ty? Dean was practically out the door before Cass glanced up just in time to watch him go. Cass heaved a resigned sigh and then dove back into his work. He'd make sure he'd do better tomorrow. Chapter 6 Painting the Black Dean and Sam parted ways on the sidewalk after dinner. They'd spent an hour rehashing the entire day, and despite a bit of friendly teasing over the fact that Sam had at least walked away with Eileen's phone number, it had been largely a good distraction for Dean. When Sam left, he had nothing else to keep his mind off Cass. He drove home wondering if he should have stuck around a little bit longer. Maybe there was something he should have said or done differently. Or maybe he should have at least said goodbye. It had been a long time since he'd felt so completely at a loss around anyone. Dean was the first person to admit that he wasn't always the smoothest dude when it came to people he was attracted to, but he couldn't remember feeling this utterly baffled by anyone. 
He and Cass had definitely hit it off, evidenced by their increasingly easy conversations over the phone and texting the last few weeks. There was just something so different about Castiel that gave him pause, and for the life of him, Dean couldn't figure out why. By the time he got home, Cass hadn't texted him, hadn't called, even though they'd sort of gotten into the habit of exchanging messages. Dean spent a very long and restless night wondering if he'd somehow fucked things up between them again. Cass finally shook Linda's hand and thanked her again for participating on the show. The studio had mostly cleared out by the time Linda had read the entire release form in excruciating detail questioning half the clauses. He'd had to defend the legality of a good portion of the document before Linda was satisfied and finally signed it. He almost felt bad for poor Eunice when Linda finally walked out the door with her winnings in hand. A glance up at the clock on the wall informed him that it had been nearly an hour since he'd watched Dean leave with his brother. He rested his elbows on the desk and rubbed his temples to massage away the beginnings of a headache. The craft services table had long ago been cleared away for the night, and it looked like it would be another TV dinner for him. The thought did nothing to ease his headache. Grateful that at least it seemed that Gabriel had also left the building already, Cass stacked up his copies of all the signed release forms and trudged off to his office. He dropped the papers on his desk to be dealt with later and headed out in an exhausted daze. After more than 12 hours at work, it was long past time to be leaving it behind for the day. As he made his way to his car and out onto the road, hoping for a little respite, Cass's thoughts stubbornly remained in the studio, frustratingly fixated on Dean Winchester. Cass sighed when he was stopped by yet another red light. Traffic may have been blessedly light that late on a Sunday night, but that just made his slow progress home all the more insufferable. A few blocks from his building, he gave in and pulled through a fast-food window to pick up dinner. A greasy burger and fries seemed like just the thing to cheer him up as he chewed over his increasing Dean problem. Not that Dean himself was a problem. Quite the opposite, actually. The man intrigued him like no one he'd ever met before. Despite the one little hiccup when Cass had inadvertently crossed a line and pried into his past on camera— Dean had proven to be a kind, engaging, intriguing man. If he wasn't mistaken, and he acknowledged that he often was in these matters, Dean may have even been flirting with him a time or two. Dean may technically be his employee as far as Cakepocalypse was concerned, and Cass had never presumed to use his position of power over anyone for his own personal romantic or sexual gain, so maybe that had something to do with his hesitancy now. Or perhaps their professional relationship was the reason he felt Dean may have been holding him so awkwardly at arm's length. Cass wished his people skills hadn't become so rusty. He couldn't recall the last time he'd even considered engaging in a romantic relationship with anyone. And as he sat at the pickup window waiting for his order, that thought gave him a case of mental whiplash that made him grateful he hadn't still been driving. 
He sat there, staring at the traffic driving past on the highway without really seeing it at all. Desperately trying to recall a memory that felt just out of reach. It seemed like it was something he needed to remember urgently. Something that would help him explain everything. Dean, his feelings, his reticence. But the harder he tried to remember, the more it all slipped away again. The window slid open with a bang, startling him out of his thoughts with the ruckus and the wafting scent of hot fries and a mouth-watering burger. He shook it off and thanked the woman who handed him his bag, driving off with nothing more than the vestiges of an itchy feeling that he still had no idea how to approach his little Dean problem. Dean arrived back at the studio by nine Monday morning. He'd stopped by the bakery on his way in and picked up a few dozen muffins that Charlie had made for him. It almost felt like cheating that he hadn't made them with his own two hands, but at least they were his own recipe. In the lot beside the Impala was a bakery delivery truck from a shop called Purgatory up in Santa Barbara, and Dean did a double take. That was a long fucking way to go to order baked goods from, especially when they were filming a baking show inside the building but then he shook his head and remembered that it was probably just today's guest judge, some guy named Benny who was popular for his monster-themed pastries. Damn, if he was even forgetting the day's schedule already, he needed to get some coffee in him before he forgot how to bake anything at all. He had been grateful that Sam had to go back to his own job and wasn't lurking around outside the studio waiting for him until he needed a hand opening the door. With his hands full of two large boxes of muffins, Dean stood there contemplating about how to get a finger around the door handle without dropping everything. Racing footsteps grew louder behind him, and then suddenly an out-of-breath cast was offering him assistance. Did you jog here or something? Dean asked as Cass gulped down air and shook his head. I parked across the lot just now and saw you struggling, so I ran to get the door for you. Dean couldn't help but smile at that but it turned into a frown as he took in the rest of Cass's uncharacteristically haggard appearance. Even more than the day before, the guy looked like he could use a few more hours of sleep and maybe a massage with a happy ending. Dean shook that thought off and stuck to safer territory as Cass opened the door for him. You look beat, man. How late were you stuck here last night? Cass unthinkingly replied, For about an hour after you left. Dean's frown intensified as Cass led them through to the studio door and opened that for him as well. Shit, dude. Did you need me to stick around last night? I wasn't sure, but everyone else seemed to be leaving. Please tell me I didn't make you have to stay after school because I fucked off without telling you. It's just, you looked busy and a little bit annoyed. I didn't want to bother you. Cass blinked through Dean's entire rambling explanation as they walked to the craft services table. Dean set down the muffins and offered one to Cass. They poured coffee and fell easily back into their customary comfortable banter. I wouldn't have been bothered, Dean. It's my fault for not confirming that we were done filming for the day before attending to the contestant paperwork. 
My apologies for that. Dean finally smiled again, tapping his coffee cup gently against Cass's and then taking a sip. I guess we're all good then? Cass nodded, and the two of them discussed a few slight changes to the filming schedule until Jody showed up on set. She walked through the door and then held it open behind her for a large man who looked more like an old-timey ship's captain than a baker. Since he was pushing a cart buried in an assortment of boxes labeled Pastry from Purgatory, Dean assumed this must be Benny. That guess was confirmed when Cass introduced himself and Dean and offered to help him set up. Well, I reckon I should get the lay of the land, Benny said to Cass, but he smiled at Dean, looking him up and down like he was debating whether or not he'd like to take a bite. Dean couldn't shake the odd feeling that he knew this Benny from somewhere, and he'd been about to ask if they'd ever met when Gabriel came swooping into the studio. Patience trailed behind him, having given up trying to go over the day's schedule with her boss and resigning herself to the fact that Gabriel would not be bound by anybody else's timetable. Ooh, are these today's sweet treats? Gabriel asked, eyeing the boxes and rubbing his hands together before glancing up at each of them. What are our contestants going to try to kill us with today? Cass cleared his throat and frowned at his cousin. You didn't succumb to an early grave yesterday. I think there's a high likelihood you'll survive today as well. Dean snorted a laugh while Gabriel just shook his head. You mock Castiel, Gabriel said, laying a solemn hand over his own heart and ruining the effect by smirking. But it's our burden to bear as judges. You must be Benny, he added, holding out his hand for Benny to shake. Long as these contestants ain't got access to poison, I think we'll all pull through, Benny replied. The next hour dragged along, once Benny had arranged his treats in the two display cupboards. Dean noted that Castiel hadn't wandered off to take care of any other business. He even followed along when he, Gabriel, and Benny took their turns in the makeup chair. In addition to the inexplicable feeling of familiarity that Dean felt towards Benny, he also caught Cass giving the man strange looks on several occasions. Dean tried to brush the strange notion off as some inherent quality of Benny's and did his best to focus on the day's filming. The three new contestants were ushered in the same way the previous day's group had been, and Dean settled down into the routine of giving them little hints where he could and poking gentle fun along with Gabriel. The monster theme of the episode seemed to make the contestants a bit wary, until Benny unveiled their first challenge. Monster-themed cream-filled donuts. Hannah emitted a little cooing noise while admiring them. Naomi made a disapproving noise and frowned slightly, while Zachariah looked offended that he was being asked to prepare something as uncouth as a donut with a goofy face drawn on it. All three of them, however, looked determined to win the round. They raced to select their samples when Gabriel announced they'd have one hour to complete the task. Dean had walked around observing their progress, but as he headed back to the judges' table, he caught Cass lingering in the shadows just out of camera range and detoured over to see him. Cass had been standing with his hands in his pockets, frowning over at Naomi with a slight pinch between his brows. Dean glanced at her over his shoulder to watch her carefully jamming a syringe filled with raspberry jam into one of the donut monster's heads. You look like you've seen a ghost, Dean whispered to him. Something wrong? Cass shook himself off and gave Dean a tired smile. 
It's a slightly unsettling challenge, I suppose. I didn't sleep well last night, and I believe I let my thoughts run away from me. I feel you there, buddy, Dean replied, letting his attention drift back over to see Zachariah scraping a hunk of half-cooked dough out of the middle of one of his donuts. He turned back to see Cass's frown had been redirected at him. Did you not sleep well either? Cass asked. Dean shook his head. Just had some weird dreams, I guess. I should probably get back there. He added, waving a hand vaguely at the table. Cass nodded solemnly and turned to discover Benny and Gabriel both watching his little exchange with Castiel. Benny leaned over and whispered something to Gabriel, who laughed and shook his head. Dean couldn't hear what they were saying, but he was pretty damn sure it was all about him. Naomi was pronounced the winner of the first round, since she'd produced the only monster donut that didn't look like it had been hunted through the woods and ritually slaughtered. After she'd been crowned with a sparkly golden chef's hat and Jack wheeled out the cart with her prizes, Jody announced a short break for lunch while they reset the kitchens for the second round. While everyone descended on the craft services table like vultures, Cass waved Dean aside and quietly led him out of the studio and down the hall to his office. I hope you don't mind, but I thought you might appreciate a bit of a respite from the crowd. Cass said as he opened his office door, I ordered a pizza for myself, and I thought you might like to share it with me. Cass hadn't looked up at him once during the entire exchange, and Dean wasn't positive, but he thought the man might be blushing. There was something about the way he stood, his shoulders hunched a bit as if he'd expected Dean to laugh or make a joke about it, that plucked at that same odd feeling that had plagued Dean's dreams the night before. He decided in that moment that he liked that feeling, maybe too much. Thanks, Cass, Dean said, his voice quiet so it wouldn't crack under the weight of warmth filling his chest. Neither of them said it, but the rest of their quick but companionable meal felt all too much like a date. They were back on set ready to shoot the rest of the episode long before Dean was ready to leave the soothing calm of Cass's office. Dean had the strange urge to just lean in and kiss Cass goodbye, but he managed to shove that impulsive thought down before he made a fool of himself and shuffled back to his place by Gabriel's side. For today's big challenge, numero two, our friend Benny here has whipped up a real spooky treat, Gabriel said, opening the cupboard and revealing the cake inside. It's a black forest, black forest cake. Just look at all those gloomy trees. I bet they're hiding all sorts of horrific things. Use your imaginations, good luck, and you've got three hours to bake us up your own haunted woodland. The three contestants raced off to get baking. There were only a couple of minor disasters over the next few hours. Zachariah attempted to melt the chocolate for his cake batter in the microwave and thankfully used his emergency help button that gave him five minutes with one of the expert chefs for advice. Dean took one look away from the billowing smoke at Zachariah's station to give Benny a look of abject horror before the other chef grudgingly got up to offer his assistance. Dean watched horror-struck as Naomi carved up a pack of black licorice instead of forming the delicate wisps of the tree branches out of chocolate ganache. He liked licorice just fine. He just wasn't sure the flavor combination would work with the rich cherry chocolate of the cake. Meanwhile, Hannah's cake came in a few inches shorter than Benny's original. 
but at least he hadn't been put off by any of her choices or techniques. In the end, it all came down to time. The contestants, inexperienced at creating such complex designs, simply ran out of time to experiment. When Gabriel shouted out their ten-minute and then a five-minute warning, all three of them rushed to add as many finishing touches as they could. And that's time, bakers, Gabriel called out as Jody's buzzer rang again. Step away from the cakes. One final break was called, and Dean looked over to see Cass going through his bundle of release forms and other paperwork with patients. The two of them both looked a bit frazzled, and instead of interrupting, Dean decided it was probably better for him to just stay put. He only had a few minutes anyway. He stood where he was and chatted a bit with Benny as the three final cakes were brought out and set up beside the cake that Benny had made. When Dean glanced over at Cass again, it was to catch a flash of something that looked remarkably akin to disappointment on the man's face before Jody called them all to action again. The three judges sat at their table while each of the three contestants explained how they'd created their masterpieces, then offered encouraging and mostly helpful input. Dean wasn't sure Gabriel's suggestion that the combination of licorice and black forest cake was only a little bit disgusting— was actually helpful, but at least it was honest. Benny had the audacity to remind Zachariah that chocolate should always be melted slowly, and preferably over a double boiler and not set for five minutes on high in the microwave. Zachariah took offense and yelled something back about Benny being a low-rent Paul Hollywood. Jody watched in horror, ready to call cut, and the tension in the studio quadrupled. Dean laughed nervously as the two men stared daggers at each other across Zachariah's lopsided cake, and the sound was enough to bring them both back from the brink of fisticuffs. "'Why don't you cut us your best slice, then?' Dean suggested, which was a suggestion he deeply regretted a few minutes later. Half of each layer was burnt, and it was like choking down cherry-flavored ashes. Hannah was crowned the winner by default for producing a cake that was entirely edible. Benny showered her with the cash from the money gun as Jack stumbled out from the wings to present her trophy. Zachariah nearly stormed out of the studio, and Cass had to go chasing after him to sign his release forms. Well, brother, it was a sincere pleasure working with you, Benny said after the final cut was called. Can't say it was entirely enjoyable, but it was definitely good for a laugh. Yeah, thanks, Dean replied. You too. Benny grinned at him and leaned closer. You wouldn't happen to know how a man could spend the rest of a stressful Monday unwinding in this town, would you? I don't have to be back in Santa Barbara until morning. I've got an entire night to kill here in Tinseltown. Dean stood there gawping like a fish, trying to figure out if he'd just been propositioned. Uh, I gotta be at work at 6 a.m., he finally sputtered out. Gabriel seemed to notice his distress and hurried over to drape an arm around Benny's shoulders. Dino here's a regular working stiff, but if you're up for letting a C-list celebrity show you around, I think the two of us can find something or other to keep us occupied. Dean shrugged helplessly, but cast Gabriel a relieved and grateful look, mouthing thank you, as the other two men sauntered past where Cass was going through the rest of his paperwork with Naomi and Hannah. Cass looked up with a frown at Benny's dark laugh, and then seemed surprised that it was Gabriel leading the man from the building. He almost fell out of his chair, craning his neck to look through the open studio door, before frantically looking around the rest of the room, 
until his eyes finally settled on Dean slumped back against the craft services table, looking a bit worn out and oddly relieved. Hannah and Naomi both signed their documents and accepted their prize packets without any undue fuss, and only a few minutes later Cass was free. He was surprised to see Dean still standing by the coffee maker, looking a bit less drained as he sipped stale coffee from a paper cup. I thought you would have left by now, Cass said, pouring a cup for himself. Dean chuckled darkly and tossed his empty cup into the trash. Benny invited me to paint the town red with him, but Gabriel nobly sacrificed himself instead. Dean missed the flash of relief that crossed Cass's face and looked up at him with a tired smile. Now I'm debating whether I should stop for tacos on the way home, or if I've got the energy to make mac and cheese. Cass frowned at that. You must be more exhausted than you look if opening a box and boiling water constitutes a labor-intensive endeavor. Dean laughed, shaking his head and dropping his hand onto Cass's shoulder. He could probably blame the overly familiar gesture on mental fatigue, but he didn't let his hand linger there. You have clearly not had my mac and cheese. I don't know if I've even got all the ingredients at home. Sunday's usually shopping day for me, and I was here all day yesterday. Looks like it's going to be tacos anyway. Cass looked at him seriously, then nodded. That's probably for the best. I appreciate you sacrificing your limited time off for the show, and I'm sorry it's cut so drastically into your normal routine. It's not a big deal, Cass. It's only for a few weeks, and honestly, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. I'm relieved to hear that, Dean. Cass fidgeted with a file of papers in his hands, and then heaved a sigh, resolving himself to say something. I need to drop these in my office, but if you're not busy, perhaps we can find something better than fast food for dinner. Dude, I'm not going for fast food. We're going authentic. A surprised smile lit Cass's face and he happily agreed. He dropped the paperwork at his office while Dean replaced his chef's jacket with a soft flannel shirt, and then they met up in the front lobby so Dean could give him directions. Dean looked up at his rearview mirror every chance he got to make sure Cass was still following behind him on the way to the restaurant. It was just a little hole-in-the-wall place, but it was one of Dean's favorite places to eat. He had to keep reminding himself that this wasn't a date, he hadn't asked Cass out on a date, because he would never bring a date anywhere he regularly stopped for dinner after a long day at work. This was one of his personal escapes, and not the kind he'd risk having to give up if a date went south. So this was definitely not a date. Not to mention, Cass was still kind of sort of his boss, at least for a few more weeks. So this was doubly, definitely not a date. Dean could quite happily rationalize that Cass may have been his boss, but they'd become friends over the last few weeks as well. They could grab some tacos and a beer as friends. That was the sort of thing normal, regular, not-dating friends could do. It wasn't like their relationship was going anywhere beyond friendship. Dean attempted to convince himself for the hundredth time. He pulled into the parking lot behind the restaurant and sat in his car as Cass drove past to find another empty spot. Dean caught a glimpse of Cass behind the wheel of his car in the mirror, and was flooded with the strangest sense of deja vu. The hair on the back of his neck stood up as a rush of thoughts churned just below the surface of his consciousness. It was a disturbingly similar feeling to the wave of near panic that had assaulted him the week before when Cass had asked about his childhood. There was something urgent that he needed to remember, 
but he couldn't catch hold of any of the thoughts which had shoved up nothing but a feeling of profound loss. Without anything concrete to connect the phantom feelings to, Dean just sat there feeling inexplicably bereft until Cass tapped on his window, startling him out of the weird melancholy that had gripped him out of nowhere. He shook the last of the feeling away and looked up to see Cass frowning down at him. Dean took a deep breath and got out of the car, greeting Cass with a smile and the excuse that he might be more tired than he'd thought. He was relieved that Cass accepted his explanation, because for the life of him, Dean didn't have a fucking clue how Cass seemed to have this kind of hold over him. He could save it to worry about later when he was tossing and turning in bed. Dinner had been just what Dean had needed. Comfort food and the warm and easy conversation that flowed between him and Cass as soon as they'd sat down together. Despite their exhaustion, they even lingered over dessert and coffee before regretfully drawing what had become a low-key private celebration to a close. Dean had yawned at the table despite the coffee, and Cass had looked at his watch in horror. Dean, I'm so sorry to have kept you this late. Cass began as Dean paid the bill. I know you have to be at your shop early. Crack of dawn, more like, Dean replied, shuddering as he suppressed another yawn. He grinned fondly at Cass's frown. I'll be fine, I promise. Trust me, Tuesday's our slowest day of the week. Cass nodded doubtfully, but he didn't press the argument he knew Dean would never let him win. If you insist. I insist, Cass. If you need proof, then just stop by tomorrow sometime and see for yourself. I think we've got a couple of appointments for consults, but aside from that, we probably won't see much traffic until close to closing time. Shockingly, nobody seems to feel much like treating themselves on Tuesday. It's not the same as rewarding yourself for surviving Monday, or the week's half over of Wednesday, or the almost to the weekend of Thursday, or the end of the week binge of Friday. It's just... Cass was already laughing, resting one hand on Dean's wrist. Fine, fine, I concede the point. He smiled at Dean for maybe a little bit too long before finally withdrawing his hand as they stood to leave. This is the best start to a week I've had in a long time. Dean finally admitted as they parted in the parking lot. Only he set it to Cass as retreating back, far too quietly for the other man to have heard. Dean was back to business as usual the following morning, interrupted by the occasional text from Cass. Unsurprisingly, Cass also took him up on the offer to stop by the bakery. Garth called him out of the kitchen where he'd been decorating cupcakes for a kindergarten class birthday party, and had spent a pleasant half hour sitting and having a cup of coffee with Cass. 
By Wednesday, Cass had emailed the finalized details for the upcoming weekend's episodes, and Dean called him when he had the chance to read through the challenge information and Google his guest hosts. By Thursday, Cass began sending him reports on how the editing for the premiere episode was coming along, but Dean was almost too busy preparing the first of the weekend's orders to think too much about it. When he finally closed the door of the shop on Friday night and checked his phone on the way to his car, he saw several new messages from Cass and felt a strange tug of that ephemeral melancholy that had been plaguing him for weeks now, for almost as long as he'd known Cass. If you have time this evening, would you like to stop by the studio and see the first rough edit? An hour later, he had tried again. I could provide dinner if that would be convenient. About 15 minutes later, time stamped just a half an hour ago, Cass sent one last message. I suspect you're too busy to even check your messages. I'm leaving work now, but I would be happy to bring you a copy of the first episode if you'd like to watch it before Sunday. The offer to provide dinner still stands. Dean grinned down at his phone like the sap that Cass had become an expert at bringing out in him. He was about to ask for a rain check, since he was usually out of the shop by early afternoon on Saturdays but he sat behind the wheel of the car and frowned. He hadn't been grocery shopping yet, and he was getting tired of eating every meal out. He was also down to the last clean pair of socks, and he only had time to run one emergency load of laundry on Wednesday night while he'd been on the phone with Cass, or he would have already run out of clean pants. His apartment was slowly turning into a hazardous waste zone, and he sighed with resignation as he informed Cass he wouldn't be able to fit it into his schedule any earlier than Sunday. He typed out the text and dropped his phone onto the seat, ignoring it until he finally made it home with a greasy bag of burgers and fries. I understand, Dean. I'll see you Sunday morning. And there was that feeling again, like he'd somehow missed something earth-shatteringly important, like he'd lost out on a chance he hadn't known he'd been offered. He sat at his kitchen table, eating but barely even registering it as he stared down at his phone, wondering if Castiel had simply dismissed him. When he'd finished eating, he picked up the phone and tapped out a reply. How about a rain check? Sunday night after the show, I'll make you some real mac and cheese and we can watch the episode, if you're up for that. Dean waited to see that his message had been delivered, then waited a bit longer for the little dots to start flashing. Cass's reply came through about a minute later. That sounds like a plan. I look forward to it. Dean just stared at the message and heaved a sigh of relief. He had no idea why, but everything felt okay again. The little dot started flashing again before he pulled himself together enough to reply. Good night, Dean. He smiled down at the phone. Night, Cass. Some girls keep house on a dime 
Some girls make wonderful lovers. But what a lucky find I'm. I'd make a magazine cover. I do keep house on a dime. I'd make a wonderful lover. I should be paid overtime, cause I can bake too. On top of the lot, my oven's the hottest you'll find. Yes, I can roast too. My chickens just do's. My gravy will lose you your mind. I'm a brand new note on the tablet, don't, but just try me all apart. With a single course, you could choke a horse. Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.